friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and writer. And I'm Brian Luna. Today I found out I've never tried an apricot. And you're listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to, to me. me. A show where we take research out of the lab and into the street. Let's get into it. So is it apricot or apricot? Apricot. I say it apricot. What did I just say? Well, which one haven't you tried? Maybe you tried, tried one but not the other? <laughs> no. I've been playing this... Um, <laughs> this like kids game on on Xbox. It's called like Immortal Phoenix, and basically you just are the rest these... of them adult games. No, <laughs> now that you think about it, um, but but it's it feels like a kids game, and it's really silly, and it's so it it's like re teaching me about like um, Aphrodite and all these other de- deities. But it's also like <laughs> one of the things you what you have to do is you have to eat apricots or and apricots. apricots or whatever they're called. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. Oh, so you've I, eaten a digital apricot. Yeah, but I've never, I couldn't tell you what it tastes like. I have no idea. Well, it idea. would be great for you to eat some apricots because I'm pretty sure they have some vitamin C, which, which I yeah. think you need because how are you feeling today, Brian? I am what they consider sub-weather. I'm under the weather right now. <laughs> I've been uh, fighting a, a little um, chest infection. It's not the vid. So I don't want anybody no, send me test no kits. I've already tested myself. I'm such twice. a germaphobe. I've tested myself <laughs> twice. Um, and but this is perfect. Yeah, this is I'm perfect. so excited that you're feeling ill. Oh, great! Because today, in honor of your symptoms, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the psychology of something called sickness behavior. Uh oh. Which is basically how. Can I guess? It's like when <laughs> people act like babies to get attention when they're sick or something. Oh, is that because that's what you've been doing? No, you know me. I go, I go hide away. I go in my little cave and, <laughs> no, I, and I take a blanket and some some Dr Pepper with me, and that's it. Oh, like a lonely baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, sickness behavior is how we act when we have a cold and why. Oh, so it's the psychology behind oh, it versus the physiology wow. behind it. I, by the way, listeners, am risking my. Health. Life, my health. Okay, fine. Health. Just my health. <laughs> I am. I don't know if you can hear. I'm. I'm recording with a mask on right now. Mm-hmm. Brian is. And I'm free. I'm free. free. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna get started yeah. right off the bat okay. with a recreation of some little mini experiments okay. that researchers have have done. All right. Um, and we're gonna find out whether in this area your experience matches other human experience at all because usually you're like no i'm so different so let's see um i want to be like everybody else (laughs) so in a moment we'll we'll do some recreations but first what are some of your psychological symptoms of having this cold um i you know i'm a lot of Turmoil. I'm uh, no <laughs> a lot of introspection. Uh, psychologically, psychologically, I get, I get honestly, I get really down. I think I texted you the other, last night. I can't feel myself when I'm sick because naturally, I think I have a lot of energy. I think I'm, I'm pretty uh, rambunctious. That's how I say. describe it. I yeah. would say scamp like, <laughs> um, rascally, even if you will. Um, so I, I think I have a tendency. Your vocabulary to like, isn't sick. <laughs> you no, know, the thesaurus has been my best friend in there. Um, no, I, I've, I, I think I, I, I putter around, as you say. I move a lot. So when I'm sick, I can't really do that. Like yeah. my, my head's really. Um, uh, headachey, like headachey. My head's headachey. Okay, forget the thesaurus. Um, but what I, I, I guess I feel depressed because I, 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 do, I can't really, 
I don't feel myself. And I know no one feels themselves when they're sick, but like some people can get up and curl up with a book and like a little tea and stuff. I hate all that stuff. I mean, a lot of books, but I mean, like, I hate tea. I hate <laughs> lemon. I hate all that stuff. And I, it, you it, hate it's, curling up. I hate curling up. I like to stretch out. You know yeah. I me, mean? I sleep like a star, <laughs> like star shaped, not like a celebrity. And uh, I, I just, I, I, I I have a really hard time being sick. I get really yeah. down, and I, you know, I can't work out. I can't like, Anything I can't else? even. Yeah, I can't touch the pigs because no, yeah, I can give yeah. them my sickness. Yeah, um, and I can't really touch the dogs because you touch the dogs. But okay, so um, you it sounds like sad, lonely. Yeah, sad, lonely. A uh, little regret because I'm always like. Where did I go wrong? Like, Aww. what did I touch? Um, Could it be because you're never not touching your face? I'm, I just touched my face right now. As you said that, I was touching my... I touch my face like an infant. Like, like I've never seen my face before. I touch it like, I, like I'm sculpting it. Uh, so, yeah, it's no wonder that I get sick about four times a year. Oh, all right. So, uh, we're definitely going to talk about some of the mood stuff that you talked about. But first, uh, let's do a quick test of... The reaction times okay. of a sickly person, Brian Luna, uh, versus a perfectly healthy robust. Bring it on! I don't person, care, sick or not, I'll I. still beat myself. you. Whatever this is, reaction time. What are we so gonna do? I'm gonna start with some hand sanitizer for myself. Right, I'll start because... with some hand sanitizer too. Oh, ooh, look at that! So they're. Oh yeah, I brought my own. Our uh, dueling hand sanitizers right now. So listeners, we are putting some hand sanitizer on our hands. And uh, and now we're gonna do a very scientific version of slapsies. <laughs> <laughs> Slapsies. Are we going to touch each other? Yeah. It's okay. We're sanitized. Well, okay. How... So we're going to see whose reaction time is better. <laughs> okay. okay. Is it the thing where you put your hands yeah, over? Yeah. So, we... so hold on. Don't do it yet. I'm just going right. to. So... You couldn't even. Bring it. Bring it is what I'm saying. Sick I or not. Sa... Okay. So clearly one of those symptoms is not following directions. <laughs> so can you describe to listeners what we're doing right now? Yeah. I've got my hands like uh, like I'm holding a tray and Tanya's got them. <laughs> Over my hands. As oh, I if, did it wrong. Yeah, she's hovering. Okay. So, so I guess I'm flinching. Yeah, what? so. Oh! Okay, so Brian just tried to slap my hands and like a lightning bolt, like a healthy, like a whiff. vibrant lightning bolt, <laughs> I pulled my hands Truth away. Truth be told, you move so slow, it's, it like mess with my brain, and I, I, I don't know how I missed that. All right, so now. So Brian's now. holding his hands over my hands, and I have to slap them, Ooh. which I just no, did. you didn't, and I just did it twice. <laughs> to be fair, you always beat me on this. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna put some more hand sanitizer okay. on. Because... Round two? No, not round two. We well, come on! I don't think All it's right. gonna be fun for listeners to just. <laughs> okay, watch the video. We're gonna put it in Instagram. <laughs> One hour of hand slapsies. <laughs> All right, so that was reaction time. Man, uh, I would have prepared. I would have loosened up. <laughs> you probably over there stretching. That's not fair. Up next, I sent you something on your uh, phone. Please go to that link. Okay. So I sent you a link to a random sentence generator. Okay. Oh. Generate two sentences. Two sentences. Okay, so we're going to test, again, sickly person versus healthy person. Sickly you, healthy me. I'm going to read you these two sentences and then test your recall. Okay. Yeah. So these are the sentences that you have. Do to I have to repeat them back verbatim, verbatim. or just give you the? No, okay. no, verbatim. Okay. Hold on. I don't need the gist on. here. This isn't comprehension. <laughs> this you're gonna fail at this because so you're terrible about this. Healthy Ready? or not? Yeah. So so here are the two sentences. The green tea and avocado smoothie turned out exactly as would be expected. The elephant didn't want to talk about the person in the room. The green tea and avocado smoothie smoothie turned out as expected, eh. and the elephant. 
Uh, <laughs> I was already listening. I didn't know you were going to read them back to back. That stunk. So what about the elephant? I don't know. Nothing I was, about the elephant? No, is the elephant did something. <laughs> that sucks. I didn't know. Okay, you ready? Honestly, this is like a typical conversation. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, you could have been telling right, me about, good, about, about facts about uh, South American unions. Okay. This is one of the things we recently got into debate about. I thought unionizing in South America was fascinating, and Brian literally stared me in the eyes and we said, were, why would I want to hear you talk about that? Listen, we were on <laughs> vacation in the beautiful city of Dublin recently, and it's a dream city of mine. Home of the place that gave Brian a cold. Home of the place, possibly. Souvenir. Possibly. <laughs> um, so I was walking around, and I was just taking in the city. We're by the Liffey, and I was like, "This is this place is amazing. Out of nowhere, with nothing, no context. Hey, did you know South American unions, it was illegal to have South American union with this one CEO actually said that and, and actually worked to it. And I was like, okay. And you were like, isn't that fascinating? And normally I'd be like, yeah, babe, that's fascinating. I was like, no, it's not. Why would you tell me that? I All don't right. care. Hit me up if you want to talk right. about South Here American unions. Here we go. All, All right, right. Ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to shock you with my recall. He was surprised that his immense laziness was inspirational to others. Cursive writing is the best way to build a racetrack. He was surprised that his immense laziness was an inspiration to others. Cursive writing is the best way to build an immense racetrack. Eh. What? Cursive writing is the best way to build a racetrack. Oh, man. Okay. No. All right, but that well, was almost... Come hey, on, that was Are good. you feeling a little feverish? <laughs> Should we get you a, a, some, some Advil or something? <laughs> Boom. All right. So I use some slightly creative different methods for these little experiments, but they are based on <laughs> Andrew Smith's study. He recruited about 200 participants, uh, and then over the next 90 days, about a third of them just happened to have a cold. I'm sure that he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he wasn't He's like, like use my pen. <laughs> Okay, now could you go into room two, please? (laughs) All right, so about a third of them come back sick. Dr. Uh, Smith, did you just kiss me on the mouth? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That didn't happen. Dr. Uh, Smith didn't. (laughs) No, please. This is how rumors start. Dr. Smith did this research completely ethically, as far as we know. Uh, So about a third come back with a cold. The rest of them are the control group. Okay. So this is over the course of 90 days. So anything can happen. Dr. Smith can't be liable. So he tested their psychomotor speed and found slower reaction time and memory processing, which also leads to learning impairments when you look at the group that had a cold. And he also found... So basically checked out. So people with a cold were... Dumber. Physically slower. And slower. <laughs> Mentally slower. Couldn't so wait, learn wait, is this, are you trying to tell me something like the way I've been for the last three days? Because <laughs> it's not my fault. Well, so a lot of what we talk about when we have a cold is like, if you even look at the commercials, right? Yeah. It's like your runny nose and you're sneezing and you're coughing. Stuffy head. But most people don't talk about the fact that you're literally, you feel like you're moving slowly and you're thinking slowly yeah. and you can't solve problems well. Verbal processing is significantly impaired. <laughs> and he found that people with colds reported being in a bad mood. <laughs> Fascinating. Here it is, y'all. Psychology at its finest. When people are sick, they're not happy. So why do you think these findings matter? Here's your grant. Um, why do these findings matter? I think... To help with the healing process, I think um, it's important to know that our cognitive abilities are slower, so it will allow us to take the time to heal. Mm. I remember when I was working at, you know, in management and such, and even as an actor, I would go sick 
to rehearsal to work and do what I'm supposed to do and you push through and what we forget is that our body actually needs to rest and I keep reminding myself of that here yeah uh that okay just relax take it easy totally you're okay and so many people just push through it so a study of food workers found that about 50 percent always or frequently went to work while sick Uh, which restaurant (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is they, a broad range of people specifics? who work in <laughs> I bet it's Arby's. Um, and then um, a survey of doctors and other health professionals in yeah. a children's hospital found that 95% of them said that showing up to work sick puts patients at risk, which is like, why not 100, but 95%. Yeah. Guess what percent of them said they did it anyway? 100%. 83%. So 95% acknowledged you should not show up to work when you're sick. 83% literally are showing up to a children's hospital where one of the significant risk factors is spreading your illness to a child whose immune system is struggling. So socially, so many cultures just kind of ignore the dangers, both individual and social, of contaminating each other. And then if you think about like schools, kids, adults oh too, they when they have a cold, they're struggling to learn. Or what about when you have a cold and you're parents make you go to school anyway because they think you're faking it yeah or something you know or oh, they just don't have they don't want to they don't want you home alone and they don't have child care send you to school go to the nurse if you feel sick that just brought up good memories for me though because i used to try to miss school as much as possible so I, I told you this like my mom used to pre-write me absence notes and then eventually <laughs> you mean like at the beginning of the year yeah because oh, she didn't want to be bothered that's amazing god i love your mom <laughs> That's amazing. So, because I I, oh, I hated school so much. Hated school. So, I would wake up and I'd be like, mm, that kind of feels like being sick. I feel like, <laughs> mm, my throat's kind of scratchy. And then I'd like reach, you know, the thinning pile. <laughs> That's amazing. Grab the next one. And then eventually she got so fed up with writing me new notes that she just showed me how to do her signature. There's so. something so, so much to unpack there. <laughs> I can't even begin. But, you know, we used to do at, at our house is, my mom was the same. My mom was like... If you're sick, stay home. Oh, really? Yeah, she wasn't. Oh, I she think wasn't your mom really would good. be like one of no, those. No, no, no. She wasn't. She, she was. She was always really good about that. And what we would do is we would write our own notes, and then mom would sign them. Oh. So we got called in a lot uh, for our first couple of years because <laughs> they like thought verify. we were faking them. Yeah, but it turns out my you know after like by the time I was in third grade, oh. um, you know, and plus it really helped with my my storytelling <laughs> because. <laughs> You know me. I don't just say I'm sick. So much detail oh my when you gosh. call out sick. When I call out sick, I call out sick. I'll and tell the, you. Through the times symptoms. I've known you, you've called out sick very few times. Yeah. But when you do, it's elaborate. Yeah, it's well, it's not a lie though, because I, I guess I'm super self conscious that <laughs> someone's gonna be like lying ass, and I'm like, no, I'm really sick. This I don't is what like happened. That your mom made you do that. That makes me think of those people where, like, if you ever ask for a letter of recommendation, and then they're like, you go ahead and write it, and I'll sign it. I just think that's such a bummer. Why? That's great. Because it's an opportunity to be like, for this person to say really nice things about you. It's a great opportunity for you to say some really <laughs> nice things about you and have this person stamp it. All right. I mean, I guess as long as it gets you to where you want to go. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I don't know. I, I've heard that before, though, that people get annoyed. They couldn't even write my own letter or whatever. I, I write. I, I think write. it's fantastic because I'm like, Brian is amazing. He doesn't lie. He doesn't steal. <laughs> like stuff that has nothing to do only with. Only calls out sick when he's really only sick. Only calls out sick. When... With the following list of symptoms. <laughs> So, yeah, so part of it is like, you know, spreading germs, it's difficulty learning. And some behaviors like driving or operating machinery are as dangerous to do when you have a cold as they are when you're drunk. Wow. What do you think the most dangerous job to have is when you have a cold? Surgeon? (laughs) Dangerous for you or dangerous for others? For others. For others? Pilot? Pilot? No, I don't think pilot. What? 
No, because you're in your own little cat. Oh, well, because I don't think your reaction time needs to be super fast when you're a pilot. Uh, I don't know. I've never no. piloted anything. But I feel like when you're in traffic, you when you're driving a car in traffic, like research shows that when people have a cold, literally, there was a study that did um, simulations, yeah. driving simulations. And they found that people who had colds had much slower reaction times and, like, didn't notice particularly unexpected things huh. popping up. So I would say it's not even a job. Anytime you're driving and you have a cold, you're putting yourself and others at risk. I feel I, like as a pilot, there's not as much Well, here's the thing. There. Pilot, like, drivers get caught behind another car. Pilots get caught behind a mountain. Or... <laughs> Another, another, but you have a another plane. But, um, but that cockpit is very small. Yeah, very small. Like, and if I'm sick, guess what? Co-pilot. And you know what's really messed up? Those slowdown symptoms happen before and sometimes in the absence of some of the more traditional cold symptoms like mm. sneezing and coughing and all that kind of stuff. So you might be feeling really like sluggish and yeah. like having a hard time thinking and processing yeah. but not take it seriously because you're not sneezing and coughing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, even oh. now I'm having a hard time following you because I can't. No, I'm serious. Because <laughs> really? I can't see your mouth. Oh. So like I have to, I'm oh, wow when as you were talking I was like Whoa. do you want to put on your mask and I'll take oh, my mask you're gonna off. Oh they're going to say to him transcribe. Uh, no 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 it's all right. Okay. So uh, I was going to tell you so there's a study commissioned by Lloyd's TSB Insurance in the UK and they found that over 125,000 car accidents were caused by drivers who had a cold or the flu. 100,000? 125,000 was their estimate. Well, plus they also drive on the other side of the road. So that, like maybe that's maybe that right. has something to do with it. I'm just saying. Uh, okay, and what about this mood thing? Why do you think colds make us mopey? I think colds make us mopey because we, like I was saying earlier, we just don't feel like ourselves. And no one likes to feel achy because most of you is still there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everything is still there. I, I'm walking around. I could, you know, take out the dogs and it's stuff. It's like this half existence. Yeah. And it's just, you feel mopey because like there, there's so much you can't do and you feel, sometimes you have these bursts of energy or whatever, mm. but you feel able until you're doing it. Yeah. You know, like earlier I was like, uh, the other day I, I told you, I was like, oh no, I'll bring in the pigs. You know, I was like, I got it. I could use the fresh air. I didn't need the fresh air that bad. <laughs> I was miserable. I was like, holy crap. I was, uh-huh. if the, the outside felt like 30 degrees warmer than it was. And I was just, I was in a bad way. And it, it made me feel mopey. It made, I, I think we get mopey because like I said, we, we can't do. Well, yeah. The it's, and it's like, set, like do. loss, right? Like you, you want, like you've talked about this before. Negative emotion is an emotion that tells you you're missing something. Take or it away. Yeah, something. yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that's a pretty simple explanation. I was going to go with a lot more elaborate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why are you sad when you have a cold? <laughs> so I was going to say there's an evolutionary explanation, mm-hmm. evolutionary psychology explanation, which is that, you know, when you're when you have a cold, you really should withdraw or retreat so you don't mm-hmm. spread that shit to others. Yeah. But there's potentially a psychological aspect to it, too. So various researchers like... Hall, Smith, and Kaporin have found that flu, the common cold, and clinical depression all have something in common, which is an activated immune response and inflammation in the body. Huh. Depression? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can actually see depression physiologically. Interesting. But I, I, I guess because depression is happening to you psychologically, right? Like there's no... Well, that's what's really tricky. Yeah. It's either the psychological piece of it changes your physiology or maybe the physiology changes your psychology or maybe there's just an this interplay between the two of them well that's amazing i didn't realize that 
uh, your body reacted the same way as a cold or flu. Yeah. So it might be that sadness is the outcome of that inflammation, hmm. or it might be that inflammation is the result of that sadness. That's yeah. I I would imagine that it's the latter. Right, because yeah. you you feel that feeling, and then your body starts reacting. I Maybe it has so. something to do with when you're depressed, you're less active as well. So oh, true. You could. Oh, you're not you, releasing those endorphins, right, right. and your so, dopamine levels go down. Yeah. That's a really great point. Okay, so that's sickness behavior one hundred and one. Um, yes, that was sickness behavior one hundred and one. Now let's graduate because we've talked about one hundred and one is looking at sickness behavior through the lens of the human. Oh. Let's now graduate to looking at sickness behavior from the germ. Exactly. No, really? Yeah. Holy shit! I was I was just kidding. Do you think that your germs are controlling your behavior in any way right now? No. Do you want to think about it some more? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think my germs. They're not controlling any of your behavior. They're not controlling your sneezing. They're not controlling your. Well, little, I mean, I'm talking about my behavior, right like the way I'm acting. They're not. Okay. But yeah, they're giving me mucus buildup, <laughs> <laughs> stuffy head, fever. Okay, so you think it's reasonable for them to make you cough and struggle to sleep, but unreasonable to think that those germs are changing the way you feel or think. Yeah, no. Okay. That's my body. The way I picture it is my body is this hulking mechanism. (laughs) 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 No, my body's like like a machine, like a submarine, right? Okay. So like a submarine or like any kind of complex machinery. Yeah. So when everything's the hulking one, so when everything's going smooth, this machine's running like butter, Mm. right? But something happens in say the the lower area of the. Why does it have to be the lower compartment? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. What happened to your lower area? (laughs) Hey, let's talk about my lower compartment. (laughs) But if something happens, then all hands on deck to that area, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, basically what happens is I think all my, my defenses go to this area. So it pulls energy, um, from other areas like cognitive thinking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm you're, you're so, you're, come on. I'm just picturing your lower area. Okay. <laughs> On. Can we move on from my lower area, please? Yes, let's move on. Let's talk about my upper area. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically what I was saying before is all of my uh, white blood cells go to my lower area to help to help out, to, to, <laughs> to, to, to fix the area, for, to, to repair. So that's why, that's why okay, so other areas the- are pulled. Like, it's not the germs causing that. It's um, energy flowing in another. In the, <laughs> Why are you making this like a Kama Sutra thing? All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're professionals. We can move on from yep. this. You are saying that your behavior is a result of a lack of sort of resources. resources. Yes. Versus a result Did of. You say resources? Resources. Resources. Uh, as a result. Uh, versus, you know, germs kind of yeah. being like, yeah, my, the germs aren't in my brain. Like I picture them like, you know, with controls and steering yeah. and everything. No, they're not doing that. I think the germs doing what the germs do. Um, so and, may yeah. I share another Please. perspective? So there is a growing amount of evidence that shows that microscopic organisms can change animal behavior. 
The best known example is Taxoplasma gondii, which is a parasite that makes mice super into cats. You know about oh, this? Oh, right. Yeah. To spread the disease, right? So they can die, so they can get killed and spread the disease through the cat, right? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. So the parasite can only reproduce inside cats. Unbelievable. And so this Taxoplasma gondi thing manipulates the mouse's nervous system to get them to be eaten by cats. So the mouse is like obsessed with cats and walks right up to them. And the cat is like, thanks. And then the Taxoplasma gondi is like, wee! And that's when they, they reproduce. Hey, I just have a cold. Okay. What are, you trying to, what are you trying to get me all hypochondriac <laughs> and stuff? Like, I, it's just a cold. What are you telling me? That these germs are, are playing, making me attracted to like hockey masks or something? Like, what's, <laughs> are you attracted to hockey masks? No, I'm just saying, like, they're going to make me that's go after Jason or something example. like that. No, uh, I'm not saying, or I can't speak to that kind of uh, reaction in your body, but researcher Chris Reiber and her team were curious if the flu could play a similarly controlling role in human behavior. Interesting. So they suspected that once flu symptoms kick in, we withdraw. Yes. Which makes sense. But once we're already contagious, but before we feel sick, their hypothesis was that that's the point where we become these social butterflies yes. doing the flu's bidding. Absolutely. I That is 100% my theory from years ago. Oh, yours, the, your yeah, theory. Oh, yeah. Before Ryber and all those clowns. <laughs> Listen, I used to, because I, I remember during the flu season in Manhattan, places were bumping. Mm. Pla- places were crowded and everything like that. And people with their little runny red noses. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you know how y'all get with the red noses. <gasps> y'all? Um, white people. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. Your nose is perfectly. I'm just. That's generalizing. I understand. But I'm talking about the people I used to hang out with. (laughs) Uh, No, but what I'm saying is, is that I I think that that's there's it's it's very true. Um, because when flu season kicks in, look, it's really easy to not pass on the flu. You go away. Lock the door, just like you do COVID, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? And just stay away from people. Yeah. But, or we just wear a mask. Or wear a mask. But flu season kicks off. I mean, there's a whole damn season to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, people know, and, and yeah. there's nothing they can do, and, and yeah. So here's here's what her team did. They studied participants who received the flu shot, which includes a tiny amount of the flu dose in it. And they asked participants to track how many people they interacted with two days before they got the flu vaccine. Uh-huh. And then two days after. Oh, no. What's your prediction? Well, come on. They no contact before and after they got the shot a couple days later. They're, you know, party town, USA. I will reveal the results in a moment. But first, I have something of my own to spread. Dear listeners, if you haven't yet left a review or some stars for this podcast, please take a couple of seconds to do it now. We have more reviews. We're able to infect more people with research and insights to help us all get better at being people. So don't be stingy and cough up those stars. Nice. Huh? I can jump in there too. With Love some it. Friends. All right. Yeah. Ready for the results? Yeah. Okay. So it turns out very much as you predicted, or else why would I be talking about this? <laughs> Post-vaccine, the number of people participants interacted with was nearly twice that pre-vaccine. Um, well, what if you didn't hung, hang out with anyone before? Well, that's why they had enough research oh, participants yeah. to try to get rid of some of that randomness. So what do you make of that? You don't picture little germs being like, no, well, that, that I, and I, moving the controls? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do now. I mean, I, well, I think that, 
viruses are living things and living things want to stay alive. So their survival instinct kicks in and they know that as a virus, they, this thing, this host body is going to, is going to burn out. And then I've got to go get another keep, one. Yeah, yeah. I really am worried about going back to talking about your hulking mechanism because I don't want to get the giggles again. <laughs> but so in that hulking mechanism. So what do you think? Are the germs controlling your psychology? I think the germs are saboteurs. I think the germs are down in my lower area, <laughs> the lower deck, and they're trying to sink the ship. Why would they want to sink the ship? Because that's what germs do. I don't think so. I think they consume and then they want to spread it so they can consume. Okay, so maybe they're trying to steal uh, my fuel or whatever. They're trying to steal oil or something. Okay. Right. So then, and then they need it to go into another, they're going to use that to go into another uh, lower area. To go to another lower area. All right. So you don't feel. Now it feels like I have an STD. It's just a cold. It's just a cold. It was just a metaphor. It was just a really confusing. Distracting metaphor. I I, but, I pictured myself like Iron Giant. You went and, uh, uh, all <laughs> pornographic with it. <laughs> so you maintain that all of your behaviors have been entirely your own and not controlled not anymore, by others. Not anymore. By other beings. It's okay. like yeah, no. I now I, I think that there are some area. Maybe there are some germs there in there playing hell with my brain. <laughs> making you do some stuff. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how being sick makes us feel and act. Mm-hmm. But now what I'd love to do is touch on what psychological factors make us more susceptible to getting colds and flus in the first place. Okay. So we know that... So this, is, know, this is the blame game. The blame, yeah. So this is the victim blaming. Okay. Yeah. So, so we know <laughs> the kind victim of... victim blaming portion of the podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like blaming the people that got sick? Yeah, isn't that oh, what you're saying? Snap. Like what I could have done differently. Oh, that is kind of taboo. Uh, yeah, let's you... do it. Let's jump in. Don't you back out. We're going to go right in. Right, Victim blaming 101. Okay, let's do it. So any guesses? What is to blame? What are you guilty of that led you to be sick? <laughs> oh, wow, that's loaded. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. What do you think makes people more susceptible to cults? Um, socializing. Being around others, <laughs> other people's germs. Yeah, I mean that's I'm, you don't colds don't just land on your face. Mm. Uh, you have to catch them from somewhere. Fair. Um, also, good guess doesn't seem to be true. What we'll, we'll get into that in a moment, but that doesn't actually seem to be a prediction. So, what other behaviors contribute to me getting sick? So it's not socializing. No. Um, being out. No. Like wanting to have fun in Dublin. No. Okay. Uh, eating. <laughs> Gotta eat. <laughs> What? Touching my touching psych- myself? No, no. Oh, I meant Lord. touching my face. Psychological. Think psychological. Oh, psychological. This um, is talk psych to me, not talk biology to okay. me. Okay. Okay. Arrogance. <laughs> no, right? because... Oh, I was going to say no, because I'm feeling healthy. <laughs> I just dissed myself. You totally did. I arrogance. meant like arrogance. You let your guard down. Oh, you're a little less... Because you're like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to be fine. Look at me. I'm healthy as an ox. I do remember you saying that in Dublin. Yeah, I did. <laughs> But you know I was I mean? walking around for the record. Anytime I saw a person, well, again, we don't know. <laughs> we that don't it know. happened in Dublin. No, it could have been the airports. Fingers. Totally, it's you fair. Know? It's fair. Okay, do you want me to show you what the research shows? Please. Okay, so these are going to sound a little judgy. So you know, let's take them with a, a grain of salt. <laughs> well, it's but victim blaming, one, so I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm number one in. on the victim blaming list is having a positive life outlook. Actually, seems to create less susceptibility to colds. Oh, so you think I'm negative nilly and I... I I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm I was sharing very positive in Dublin. I was so eating donuts example, and everything. <laughs> yeah, so Dublin has some of the best donuts ever. Offbeat so, donuts. <laughs> for, for example, uh, Sheldon Cohen and team 
measured people's emotional styles. So did they skew more negative? Did they skew more positive in terms of their life outlook? And then gave them cold or flu nasal drops to infect them. Jeez. Which is like the worst. Shelly, what are you doing, <laughs> Shelly? They knew. They, they they were like, yes, I will do this. I oh, agree to this. Gosh. I hope they got more than five bucks. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't, I don't know what their compensation was. Jeez. Hopefully it was decent. So they got these nasal drops. About 80% of participants did get infected, but only one third developed visible symptoms. And it turned out that the people with more positive emotional styles were less likely to get sick and reported fewer symptoms than others. Okay, but I was pretty... Po- I've been pretty positive on it. I'm not saying... Look, this is yeah, all about yeah, I know statistics. you're not saying. Shelly's saying I'm not saying, saying that you can cheer your way out of ever getting sick. The research isn't just right. saying that people who are cheerful don't get sick. Okay. They're saying that it almost like that kind of positive outlook almost like creates a buffer for you to make you less likely to get sick. All right, what's the next one? No, but let's let's break that down. Why? Because that annoys me. So I love positive psychology. I believe in the value of the importance of positive emotions. Sure. I also kind of, to the toxic positivity episode, to the, to the points that we talked about there, I dislike this pressure to be constantly sure, positive, constantly sure. cheerful, constantly smiling. And the research doesn't show that these people are like Pollyannas, but they do <laughs> tend to be more on the optimistic side sure. and tend to find the good in things and tend to be grateful for things. So why would that lead to less colds? I think it has something to do with your endorphins, right? <laughs> so when your endorphins, when you're positive and you're happy, your endorphins are kicking in and it keeps the ship running, mm. right? It keeps everything moving. It keeps everything going. It's like people who exercise, their ships are just well-manned, so to speak. Yeah, so almost from like a a neurological level and a chemical level, there's kind of this buffer chemistry going on. Yeah, very related to that is the fact that if you have a, a more positive outlook, you're probably also feeling less stress. There's less cortisol. Oh, there you go. And I don't know if that's because you're in a less stressful environment, there are fewer stressors in your life. Or it's because you tend to manage stress better or probably a combination of the two. It's interesting because when every time, so when I would start a new show, everyone was like, oh, Ryan's going to get sick. You know, no way. Because I would just stress put about all the so pressure much. about getting the lines down, doing this, and then I would make myself sick. And then right before opening, um, I would have the same thing. Oh my I gosh, would you would get same. that like before new jobs, uh-huh. before like Everything. any kind of like new... And, 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 and I'm, I'm wondering if uh, the fact that I was going to be teaching... Um, soon, if that piled on, wow. uh, because I even when in you Dublin, taught in a while. yeah, and even when we were in Dublin, I, I kept, in the back of my mind, I was like, I gotta get, I gotta start looking over those workshops. I gotta start looking over the workshops. So now instead of victim blaming, you're pointing the finger at me because I was the one that took <laughs> you into teaching. <laughs> slick, no, very slick, Brad no. Lena. That's not what I meant. I'm just saying, like on me, I put that pressure on me. It's not something new. It wasn't like a, an entire. If it was an entirely new workshop that I'd never seen before, I'd say yes, that's on you. Yeah. But this is something I've done over 200 times, and yeah. it's just been a while. So I, I had this in the back totally. of my head. Totally, and and I'm I'm teasing you because research consistently shows that higher stress is one of the best predictors of sickness susceptibility. Uh. So you know, we see this as like classic in schools, in colleges, as soon as midterms would come, as soon as finals would hit. Oh yeah. Just like everyone would get sick. Yeah. And it's not that we're faking it. It's not like you're like talking yourself into being sick. Yeah, yeah. It's because that cortisol shoots through your body, your mm-hmm. bloodstream, and it gets your immune system overloaded. Yeah. And so you're worse at fighting off those infections. It's funny because that's why stress 
like in the body, when you have like clinical stress, you know, um, high blood pressure, those kind of things, that's a gateway oh, into yeah. a whole so bunch stuff. of other stuff. Yeah. I remember when, uh, I, you know, after, after dad passed away and I, you know, and I had my stress going through and oh, I got so shingles. Yeah. I, 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 what the hell shingles? What is this little house in the prairie? I'm getting shingles. <laughs> like what, what's next scurvy? So I was hey, like, our what friend the- Jared just got shingles. Jared, if you're listening, Jared, if you're listening, get off the prairie <laughs> and get into a city. Uh, no, no, no. But I mean, it was because of stress and it was because of everything that went with it. And in doing research, when I had to go to the doctor for stress and I, I was actually put on um, medication for my blood pressure, uh, a mild dose, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was, I started reading about like getting strokes, um, like yeah. all kinds of other things that it can lead to. And it freaked me out. So reading about it stressed me oh, out. About no. I was like, what the hell? So I said, I had Welcome to stop. Welcome to the spiral. Seriously, I had to stop because it was freaking me out. So Cohen and his team found that people who experience long-term, particularly interpersonal stress at home or work, like marriage difficulties or difficulties with your coworkers or your boss, they were two and a half times more likely to get a cold. So maybe this is on you. Maybe this is on you. <laughs> I mean, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Home stress. Home marriage problems. That's so not me. So how come I'm healthy? Because you're the aggressor. Oh, you're the you're the problem. You're the X factor. Out. Yeah. Okay. I, I see. Thank you. Um, I Listeners, will take send that in feedback. all of your good vibes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need I need some. Uh, he also found that people who were unemployed or didn't earn enough to make ends meet were five times more likely to have a cold. So it could be something individual. How am I dealing with stress? It could be something systemic, like my socioeconomic status or the types of roles that based on my race or ethnicity or where I live in the world I have access to so it's one of those things where uh, for sure there's an individual component to it but there's also a social component you know growing up I wonder if that's why a lot of my family we had problems you know medical problems issues and a lot of it obviously had to do with you know alcohol and, and drug use and such but people who grew up like me uh, see their families, you know, die really young, uh, yeah. you know, mothers and fathers and uncles and stuff. And I wonder if all that stress of, like you said, low income, no job, no prospects, yeah. have a family. What oh, do I do now? Yeah. And all of a sudden you start, I mean, I'm, I'm talking deeper than flu and cold, but like, totally. I don't know that I, I can't think of a time when, when my family was like healthy, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like my, my, my grandparents, my uncles and all those, uh, you know. Same for me and my family. Illness was like this like constant sort of cloud yeah. over the home constantly. It, there's even some evidence that that can be passed on genetically. Yeah. Like if you have stress, chronic, chronic stress in your family, that could actually be getting passed on in your genes. And then, of course, if you keep being born into the same kind of stressful environment that's incredibly Mm. dangerous and it could be that it's the stress itself that creates the strain on our immune systems it could also be and it's probably a combination i was going to say it could also be that stress leads to other unhealthy behaviors coping mechanisms like drinking alcohol and Mm. smoking and even things like not exercising not eating well not sleeping enough it just becomes this like spiral another really sad predictor of illness susceptibility is social isolation This could be because we get stressed when we're lonely Uh or because we get depressed, which triggers inflammation and taxes our immune systems. Or like we talked about on our popularity episode, it could be this epigenetic phenomenon, Mm -hmm. meaning that 
we evolved to have better infection healing when we're alone. Yeah. Like if we're attacked by a wild animal or something. Yeah. It's like our genes, if we're lonely, flip this switch and go, she's alone. Prepare for animal attack. Huh. Be better at dealing with infection. When you're surrounded by people, the genetic switch flips and goes, she's in company. Prepare to protect her from infectious disease. Huh. So it might be that some of that inflammation is actually there from an evolutionary perspective to protect us when we're lonely. It's almost like the body's like, loneliness means danger, yeah. means risk of attack. And then togetherness means risk of germs, means, you know, prepare immune system for But that's that why off. I spend a lot of time alone because I'm like, bring it. Like, I'm not afraid of animal attacks. <laughs> Is that why I mean? you surround yeah, yourself I, with animals? I surround myself with animals, but on, on, the, on the down low, I'm a lone wolf. You know, and I walk by myself and I go to the, I go get the mail by myself. You know, I go to the store by myself. You, you never know, curl up. I never curl up. I, I go to the bathroom by myself at night. That's weird. So, yeah. That's so, you go so, to the bathroom by yourself? All by myself. So I'm uh. telling the animals, bring it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm a hulking mechanism. So bring it. Go to my lower level. Go to my lower, <laughs> lower, my lower compartment. My lower compartment. Oh, okay. Yeah. So even more fascinating, researchers David Sconner and William Doyle, they found that greater social diversity in terms of different relationship roles, not mm -hmm. just number of social contacts, leads to less susceptibility to infectious illness. Oh. So it's not just surrounding yourself with more people. More people doesn't necessarily diverse boost your immune people. system. They measure diversity in this study based on different roles. So, for example, if someone had, let's say, 10 friends that they mm -hmm. would go to when they were upset, they would be more susceptible to illness. Who has 10 friends? I know, Just right? <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be more susceptible. Then someone who has, like, a good friend, um, maybe a coworker that they can turn to, uh, maybe a, a therapist that they talk to. Oh, a so coach, diversity a in, like, what they do in, in their life. Yeah. I so that's you. the study I found. But I bet the diversity in our social networks matters in general for greater physical health. And I know we talk about it a lot for kind of social health, uh -huh. but it seems like it points to individual health as well. Any hypotheses there? Why would diversity of your social network make you less susceptible to illness? More people gives you more opportunity to get sick. But of different mm. people, they're living different lives, doing different things. You oh, know? So like, So, yeah, so they're less, depending on what they're doing. Like, if y'all are all in the same, co if y'all all work together well, in the you're same. you're already sick together. You're already sick together. If you're mm. working in the same, like, little uh, cubicle area or uh, we work, you know, your, your whole floor, that whole floor is you. You're the but same person. I think person. you're still going for the physical explanation. And I think there's a psychological explanation to it, too. Looking at this study, number of roles, if you can go to all these different types of people for help, your stress is probably better managed because oh, yeah. there are all these different people that can support you. In different ways, whatever you're... In different, you're, yeah, totally yeah. different ways. Whereas like, let's say I'm struggling at work and I have no one to talk to at work and I have these 10 awesome friends, that might still not be as effective as having one good person that I can lean on in the workplace. Huh. So it might be like this buffer for stress. That makes sense. I don't know. That's, that's my yeah. theory. Or maybe there's some epigenetics thing again where... Maybe your no, genes I like your, are like... I like your theory. Okay. I think your theory holds water. My theory holds water. Okay. So to summarize, getting a cold makes us sadder. It sucks. Slower. <laughs> physically and mentally. Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Worse at slapsies. Uh, it also <laughs> makes us spread germs to others before we even know that we're sick because uh -huh. the germs start to be in control, potentially. Yep. This is a, a growing theory. So super important to reduce our individual and collective susceptibility to infectious disease. We all know about washing your hands, wearing masks, 
those are physical protection. But when it comes to psychological protection, just to summarize, we need healthy relationships at home and at work, income security, low stress environments, and the ability to reduce our own stress, improve our own moods, and greater diversity in our social networks. That's amazing. I wonder, you know, now that I think about it, remember during COVID when they had the rent freeze and basically like you couldn't get evicted Mm. during the whole time because you weren't working, people weren't working. I wonder if that lowered people's stress because that would have been a huge... Oh, interesting. Like that's like if I lived on my own and it wasn't me and you and I, you know, I was, I just had, you know, Lady and Logan, my two cats back in the day, I would have been super stressed about like... You know, but because we had each other, we had a plan, we had all this. Well, that's what's so interesting. Like when you think about public health, usually you think about how to prevent the spread of disease. Yeah. Or I don't know if, I don't know, that's, this is not my area of expertise, but I usually, at least as a, a novice in that area, think about the physical stuff. But thinking about the psychological sure. stuff, I think is so important because yeah. you're right. Something like rent security, might that have actually reduced the infection rate for everyone? Yeah. Because people actually didn't have that same level of fear and panic sure. that weakened their immune system. Absolutely. You know, uh, this may seem off the cuff, but it just brought something up. And this just passed recently, the anniversary of 9-11. And it always hits me, like, really, all of us. I mean, not just, I'm not special. It's just like we, we all have our... No, but we all have our uh, attachment to this and what it meant to us in our lives at that moment. I think about after that. The day after, two days after, socially what happened in Manhattan, the amount of social, like, the stresses that were released because mm. of all the little... The connection. Yeah. Those, and the all kindnesses. The, so, I mean, I can't imagine how we all would have been worse off mm. had we been our old New York selves, like, screw you, like, oh whatever, gosh, let right. me step over you, I'm going to go to the thing, hey, you can't fit on this train, take another one, this is my cab... All that shit. What happened after 9-11 was like something like every day we went out was therapy of some kind. Yeah. Someone looking at you in the eye, shaking their head or nodding and being like, I got you. I got you. I remember every Wednesday I would go to Midtown Comics. That was my place. I went there two days after 9-11. I was in a stupor and I was I was at the Red Cross and I'd finished my shift and I went down to... And there were all these people there, hundreds at least, in this place and they were all like healing one another mm. you know and, and and you could tell like everyone was was okay being there and seeing their faces it wasn't like you saw in the news in the street with people crying everyone was around each other and this yeah. is like this is happening everywhere that was a little micro environment uh, of totally. how we're healing each other through uh releasing that stress this makes me think of james pennybaker's research where he found that after huge tragedies Uh, like natural disasters or um, like he studied this one bonfire accident at a university where a lot of students... Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. So what he did was look at how people wrote before and after Uh uh, and 9-11 also and found that a few days after those events, all of a sudden there was a surge of positivity and a surge of we language yeah. like unity and actually if you looked at in texas a&m they looked at medical records of students going to see the nurse visits to the nurse actually plummeted and people reported feeling healthier sure so i think you're totally right in this yeah. connection that at the end of the day that feeling of close meaningful or not even close but i think meaningful supportive relationships yeah, yeah. keeps us healthy both individually and socially So any other takeaways for you? Do you plan on changing your own behavior in any way? Managing your own cold differently after this episode? (laughs) I mean, now that I know it's my own fault, 
Uh, you know, and basically <laughs> it was all on me because oh, I, we... I had a negative attitude. I was <laughs> Debbie Downer. I was... No, I, I think, uh, look, it's important to know that the feeling that I feel were, you know, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm making light of it, but it really does. I do feel depressed when I get sick. And I don't mean like sad. And I mean, like depressed. I feel, you know, the moments like like specks of, of worthlessness, you mm-hmm. know, because I can't do anything. I can't help you with certain things. I can't do it. And I've got to remember that there is a recovery and, and that when I do come back, it'll be stronger than ever. I just got to, I got to keep, I got to keep a positive outlook. I mean, not, not to sound, not to sound all like Pollyanna, as you said, but but recognize the the temporary nature of it. And it's hard. It's really hard when you feel like this. I'm not saying that you're, you're, it's when you're in it, you don't see a light. You just, you're just surrounded by all these germs. Well, and even if, you know, you're listening and you have maybe an illness that drags on much longer or there isn't a finite period to it, I think part of it is recognizing that even if the illness doesn't go away, the feelings will change constantly. There's there's a constant kind of like shifting of the experience. And hopefully it's an opportunity to step back and think about is the way that I'm feeling – is it giving me any clues about how to be better to myself? If you can shift your own environment in a way that reduces your stress, gives you access to community and connection with others. Yeah. I got to say, uh, you know, my brother, Roger, he's currently going through a really difficult time with his health. It's one of those scary son of a bitches. You know, it's like one of those things that's like, not a lot of people have it. And um, it's hard on the individual. Mm-hmm. And I got to say... I mean, I love my brother so much for so many reasons, but if you were to call my brother right now and he would totally pick up and talk to y'all, <laughs> he's just so positive. I know it helps him not like, you know, spiritually or anything. Yeah, you can you can argue that as well. Oftentimes that it, it, it weighs on him psychologically because of like limits what he can and can't physically do. And my brother's a big guy. He was <laughs> physically this super imposing, like powerful figure and... um and I know it's hard for him. And uh, if he's listening right now, uh, he's still my hero. And um, more than anything, because he's able to have this kryptonite around his neck and mm-hmm. still, still able to lift the weight of the world. And for anybody out there who is challenged or facing a challenge of an illness like this or of any kind, whether it's temporary, like you said, or without an end in sight, just stay positive. And feed on that and try to surround yourself with people that will feed on that as well. And maybe people who could be that support in times when you don't want to be positive. Right. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're going to go wrap up and call Roger. Uh, <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if you've got a Roger in your life, give him a call. Or if you know our Roger, give and him a call. And if you need, if you need a Roger, he's always around. <laughs> he's available. He's, he's a great big and brother. And remember, please spread the word about toxicomy like a wonderful virus through the world. <laughs> so we can all be psychologically healthier together. And as usual, thank you for listening to Toxic to me. Hey, let's talk about my lower compartment.